The Birth Circle podcast features experts in all the nuanced areas of pregnancy, birth, and postpartum with the aim of helping women make the choices that will keep them safe, healthy, and empowered. We respect all birth choices and believe in supporting informed consent and evidence-based practices. Nothing said on this podcast should be taken as medical advice. You should always seek the advice of a competent professional for your care. Welcome to the Birth Circle podcast. This is Sarah with Birth Circle, and today I have Dr. Marisa with me, and I'm so excited to have her. She is an expert in focusing on women's hormonal health, so we're going to get some of this great knowledge out of her to um, apply in fertility and pregnancy and birth hormones. So thank you, Dr. Marisa. Thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure to be here. So tell me first, um, how did you get into this? What's your background? Absolutely. So, well, well, back in the day, I had a background in biochemistry. So I've always been a bulldog for research. But I kind of went through life for many of my years. You know, early on, I had menstrual issues. I was put on a, a nasty um, menstrual uh, or um, hormonal birth control mm-hmm. a shot called the Depo-Provera shot. And I didn't really think much of it. I remember going off into college and thinking, you know, I was, I was pre-med. I wanted to do really well in school and I didn't need an extra decision. Distraction. I definitely didn't need a period issue and I didn't need. It's really convenient. Yeah. I thought it was. And I just, and that's, that was, therein lies the issue is that I just didn't know enough. I didn't know that my menstrual cycle was a fifth vital sign. I didn't know that it was a key indicator of my overall health and that there was warning signs telling me that something wasn't right. And instead mm. I was like, you know, at the time the, the quick fix, and unfortunately still today, the quick fix is just put somebody on hormonal birth control. Yeah. And at 18 years old, I didn't know any difference. I didn't know better. And so I did. And it was so interesting. Like when we know better, we, we end up making those better decisions for ourselves. A year into that was not good. I it, mm. it was a hot mess of a situation emotionally, physically. Um, I had horrible symptoms. Um, got off of that shot um, that was given every three months. Took about nine months to get my period back. And um, and again, things just weren't still not right. But every time I checked in with friends and family and other women in my life and asked, like, is this normal? Is this normal? Like, should I be feeling tired? Should I be trying to like guzzle down, you know, um, coffee at three o'clock in the afternoon and pepper, your peppermint patties was like my little favorite combo. And my mom and my family and everyone was just like, absolutely. Like, this is the flight of women. This is normal women stuff. And so I was like, okay, well then if it's normal woman stuff, I'm just going to keep charging along like my mama taught me. Just keep on doing yeah. the thing, keep on serving people, keep on showing up in the world until I kept doing that. I charged my way straight into the ground. And it was at 29, 30 mm. years old where I like, mm, I hit that Mack truck or that Mack truck hit me and knocked me into massive chronic exhaustion, massive chronic fatigue, the kind of fatigue where... I didn't know if I was going to be able to get out of bed in the morning. Like there were days where I was, I took, it took everything in me. Like the one thing I have is massive perseverance and will. And I would just like, yeah, grab grit. and crawl mm-hmm. my little way yep. into the bathroom. <laughs> oh, honey, I feel you. <laughs> yeah. And that was, and I, you know, yep. and you know, you hit that rock bottom where you're just like, wait, at 30 years old, uh, people, I'm not supposed to be like We're out. not meant to fall apart like this. Yeah, we are not. No. So this is not the curse of Eve. Nope. Don't even get right, me started. Exactly, right? 
which is all we've all been taught. Anyway, so I, I was, I was like, I was desperate to figure out what was going on with me. I, at the time I was focusing a little bit, I had a lot of patients coming into my office with similar symptoms mm-hmm. and I wasn't connecting the dots. Cause even though I learned so much about this in, in getting my doctorate, I learned about the endocrine system. I knew what the importance of hormones. We just weren't seeing all of these clusters of symptoms. Definitely the medical system yeah. wasn't seeing it. And if we were seeing it, we were just scripting out. And so I went to an, a doctor that a friend of mine had recommended. She specialized in hormones. We ran my hormone tests, hormone hot mess. Guarantee, like mm-hmm. it was, it was all the labs. Just looked, looked how I felt. I mean, it, there was definitely a clear correlation. And when she finally, I was so excited. I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm going to get better. She's got something for me. Mm-hmm. And she had more birth control, and she yep. had Xanax. And oh, I, that fixes everything. Oh, it fixes everything, right? <laughs> I was, I just was like, oh, no. no, like this was not why I came here. This was not, this was not what's going to get me well. I knew neither of these things were going to get me. But didn't out you of feel so state. validated though to see it on the blood results? That, yes, but I felt so alone yeah. too. I felt alone. I remember feeling like there was that moment where I was like, okay, Clearly, yeah, I mean, I, I knew something was wrong because I was living it. Like there's that intuition that says something ain't right. But, and to have that validated, yes. But then to have someone hand over a solution. I was thinking to myself, like how many thousands of girls have come into this office and this is what they're getting. Yeah. And that in that moment, I remember sitting in the car right outside of the doctor's office, like having my own little little moment. I wouldn't maybe call it a pity party, but I was definitely feeling like, ooh, who's going to help me oh, now? in the victimhood. <laughs> yeah. For sure. And I, I sat there and I was like, I gotta, I have to figure this out. It's, yeah. it's, it's time to figure this out. And I knew, I knew my ability to dig in. I knew my ability to do the research. It's always been my, my biggest strength. Like in all mm-hmm. seven books that I've written, I'm not going to pretend I'm not a great writer. I'm not going to ever tell people like, I don't, I'm not Brene Brown. I'm not, you know, I'm yep. not a lot of beautiful writers out in the world. And I don't mind not being a phenomenal writer. I am a phenomenal researcher. Yeah. And I vomit words on the paper <laughs> and I do a marvelous job. I vomit a lot of words on the paper. It's not flowing. Now, it's if not you beautiful. can comb through that, that takes another level of skill. But yeah, I definitely, but it's that's there. what are for. It's there. People yeah. get paid to clean up my, my word vomit. Like that's what people, there are editors who like, that was always their zone of yeah. genius. And my zone of genius is research. So I knew, I knew for a fact that I was not the only woman dealing with this stuff. No. Like I, there was no way. There were millions no. of women in the same boat. And can I, I knew just, it. Can I just say that, that when people yeah. say, oh, well, you're just pregnant or, oh, you're just hormonal or you're just, yeah. you know, they just, it's almost like we still think hysteria is an actual thing. <laughs> and it's, so, so are we meant to be all messed up when we're pregnant and postpartum and pre-pregnant? No, no. And you're right. That underlying, that underlying original diagnosis of hysteria has continued to, even though it's not, it got eliminated back like in 1900, like eight or late, late 1800s, early 1900s. It's still this, this kind of Un, this undertone, this unconscious thought that when women are coming to the office and they're, they have got all these symptoms and they're continuing to find doctor after doctor and getting dismissed after dismissed, we, we ultimately think that they're just hysterical or they've got mental health issues 
or they are difficult patients. Yeah. And we see that over. Yeah. You are now yeah. like big stamp yeah. on your folder. You're a difficult patient because you are. Well, and part of the goal of this podcast is to educate and allow women to go in and speak the language of their providers so that yes. they can be seen as a real life human. I mean, not that we should be having to beg for those, that treatment, but yeah, if you, if you know what you're talking about, you can get better help. Absolutely. Well, anything empowering, it's what I believe to be true is that when women have the knowledge, um, they, they're unstoppable. Like when you are empowered with the right language, with the right, the asking for the right tests, knowing what you want when you go into that office. Mm-hmm. Now, I cannot guarantee that that doctor is going to be, be ready or be prepared or even know what you need them to know, unfortunately. And, and that may happen too. And that's why I love so much about these conversations is that we, you know, empowering women to be able to ask the right questions mm-hmm. and recognize really quickly if that doctor does not have what you need exactly. to go and find somebody else. Yeah. Um, because a lot of doctors don't have what you're looking for. We just don't put a priority around women's hormone health and reproductive health. And if there's one area oh, where we're supposed up. to really care, it's women's reproductive yes. health. Like yes. if you're trying to have a baby, we start to care again. But if you just have pelvic pain, uh, maybe you don't have it. Maybe you should just exercise more or think happy thoughts. Why are you wallowing? (laughs) Or get on Xanax. (laughs) You know, like those are usually the situations. And so I'm so glad we're having this conversation. No, it is not normal to struggle in postpartum, to struggle during our pregnancy, um, to struggle during, to during, I mean, birth is its own, you know, magical experience and it can really vary from woman to woman, but there's ways in which that we can really set women up yeah. for success. So no, I, I do, I don't believe, and I think that we have dismissed the power of not only how our hormones are a big, a big part of that whole entire mm-hmm. journey, but we've dismissed the fact that they are easily deregulated due to root cause issues. And that's what I think we're seeing with a lot of, with issues in infertility, with issues of menstrual cycle irregularities. And also when we're dealing with postpartum and in throughout pregnancy and fertility is that we're, we're seeing that we're not even talking about the root causes that could be driving some of these hormone deregulations that are going on in women that we're seeing uh, in the millions of women around the world. Exactly. Okay. So let's start, I'm going to start pressuring you for all this, um, scientific knowledge. Okay. Because I, I know that when I was trying to conceive a while ago, um, I was watching my hormones through this little app on my phone and watching my temperature, my basal temperature, and it was telling me what all my hormones were doing. They were coming up and down. Um, I felt a little bit, um, no, very frustrated that here I was, a grown adult woman, woman, and I had no idea what my hormones meant. I had no idea what the luteal phase and the follicular phase, what the heck that was. All I heard was that you're, you're grumpy at PMS and that's normal. And then it's normal to cramp. I had no idea. So, so take us all the way back. So fertility wise, what does, what are all these hormones mean? What does it mean when they're balanced? Kind of give us a good picture of, of how a healthy hormonal um, chart would look like. I just have an episode, literally this episode, this very episode that you're asking for is going up on my podcast Yay! next week, it's how to own your menstrual cycle. Cause there's four phases of your menstrual cycle. And most of us grew up, I, I came from a Catholic family and my grandma, my little Catholic grandma, um, what made it was, this was not a good, we do not talk about anything down there. Nope. Nope. Not, nope no conversation around nope. all that. Mm-mm. Um, you did just, you know, it's you, it comes and it goes. And when it comes, when you got your period, you better hide it. 
you know, because it, it's, it's not, it's not, you know, it's, it's the, it's the, the necessary evil is really what it was described as. So no, yeah. I had no con- concept of what the menstrual cycle is. And I know that many of us are still growing up with, with that being passed down from our yes. generations, our families and our mom. So basically how it works is the first day of your menstrual cycle. Day one is the day that you're menstruating. And that can average anywhere between three to seven days, give or take. Again, every woman's a little bit different. The typical menstrual cycle is 28 days. We are cyclical. We cycle every day. We cycle every month. We cycle every year. We cycle throughout our entire life. We go through mm-hmm. many transitions. If there's anything that's, that is true is that women, we are constantly changing at all times. So that first day of your menstrual cycle is day one of your period. Then, And that is a part of your follicular phase. Um, So as you move in, so those first couple of days, progesterone, testosterone, and estrogen have taken a nosedive. um, And we know that those hormones are interconnected with our neurotransmitters, things like GABA, serotonin, and dopamine. And so no wonder, especially if we're dealing with any type of menstrual cycle irregularity, right before we hit the follicular phase, which I'll get into in just a moment, and right when we are at our period, we may be experiencing some PMS signs and symptoms. And that's because those Uh, hormones have tanked? That's because the hormones have tanked. Yes. So progesterone, estrogen, they're supposed testosterone. To. They're, supposed they're supposed to. to. Yeah. Yes. Okay. They're supposed to tank. Um, and there's there's supposed to be a little bit of shifting there. You're going to, mm-hmm. I mean, you've got all those, if all of those hormones tank at once, you're going to feel some some changes. Doesn't necessarily mean that you're supposed to have horrible cramps and horrible Right. That's my other question. It's normal for the, for the tank. Not normal because my periods are actually not violent. <laughs> They're not terrible, but I know women that are. And on the, on the chart of, you know, a blood test, it would probably show our hormones is equal. So why am, why am I being okay? Just a little grumpy. And this, my friend is tanking like completely a mess. A couple of reasons why your friends, your friends tanking, either they've maybe potentially a thyroid issue, mm-hmm. an insulin issue, a gut issue. You've got inflammation. Um, you've got an increase in prostaglandins and C-reactive protein. So it's a matter of looking at the root causes of got what it. may be going on there. Yeah. Um, it may be that you didn't have enough progesterone to begin with. Um, and we can talk about what that, why that's the case mm-hmm. and why ovulation is the main event. Um, so that, that particular time, it's important to know this part of the cycle because this is the time where we gotta we get to take a step back it's time to relax it's time to chill it's time to trade in the heavy hardcore workouts and the big events and the big speaking gigs and whatever you've got going on maybe doing the risky thing or the new thing yeah it's time to like settle down settle and really honor your body and honor that it's changing and that your that your epithelial layer is shedding from your uterus that requires energy and it's you're gonna it's gonna be a shift in energy so no wonder we feel a little bit more tired (laughs) tired it's it's an energetic process to to go through our period in day one through to day seven by day seven day six day seven we start our testosterone and estrogen levels are beginning to rise we're beginning to feel more like ourselves again Mm -hmm. we're you know we're we're definitely feeling better if if everything our bodies are healthy we definitely are getting back into that step we feel more confident as estrogen begins to level out. Um, we have more energy. We're firing on all cylinders. We want to start showing up in the world. Maybe you start to exercise heavier. You start to feel, trying to feel better in your in your own body. And that's because those estrogen and the testosterone levels are rising. The reason why estrogen and testosterone levels are rising is we are resetting that cycle and we're getting ready to create a healthy space 
for um, for pregnancy, right? We're getting our uterus ready again. We are getting, we're making sure that um, we're going to release an egg so that our ovaries are getting ready to release an egg. As we're getting closer and closer to ovulation, follicular stimulating hormone is being released so that we can get ready to actually release that egg that you've been maturing for the last 90 days. Um, and then you'll see a surge in follicular stimulating hormone probably day 10, 11, 12. By day 14, again, on a 28-day cycle, it can be anywhere between like day 13 and 16. And that's really, that's why it's important to track these things with an app and with your basal temperature. Mm -hmm. You will you will ovulate on day 14. And it's super important that we're ovulating um, because it really allows for the next part of our cycle to kick in. And you may not notice if you're ovulating. Some people do. Cervical fluid starts to change. Um, you will have much more like egg yolk, egg white cervical fluid because if indeed you are trying to have a baby, this is the time to make the magic happen. And mm -hmm. so we only, we only release that egg um, and within 24 hours, it's when our kind of our time frame, that egg is available in the fallopian tubes to be fertilized um, by sperm. And if not, we we basically we go into that next part of our cycle. Um, so if we don't fertilize, clearly we're gonna we're gonna see that menstrual we're gonna see yep. menstruation start again day day one. But let's say your body doesn't know yet. So once you release that egg, the um, the capsule of that egg, the corpus luteum um, will then give permission to release progesterone levels, right? So the luteinizing hormone goes up as well. Progesterone levels begin to rise. Um, luteinizing hormones happening during during ovulation. Once that happens, that that corpus luteum releases as progesterone. And we see estrogen still continuing to stay stable. It's still preparing the body for pregnancy. But progesterone is very much the number one job mm. of progesterone is to help maintain that pregnancy if you were able to fertilize the egg with the sperm. So it's rising. Its height is around 21, day 20, 19 to 22 is at the height of progesterone. It's really the best time to measure progesterone levels to make sure that they're where they're at um, for, um, for having a healthy pregnancy and really just to be having a healthy yeah. menstrual cycle. And then slowly but surely around day 22, day 23, you're going to start to see a slow drop off of all of those hormones, estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone. So is it because when, when the egg implants, it sends us it sends a signal to the body to keep producing progesterone. Is that yes. how your body knows so, to yes. stay pregnant? Absolutely. So, so initially, your body's just preparing as progesterone for the just in case. Yeah, just in case. If you're if you implant inside of the uterus, which usually happens within a week or so after you you fertilize that egg, then progesterone will continue to rise. Um, in throughout that. Throughout what if that you pregnancy. implant late and then your body doesn't get the the memo and then the progesterone level, then you, then you lose your, lose your egg, right? Yeah. I mean, yes, you can absolutely use, lose your egg. There's oftentimes we are getting pregnant. A lot of women don't know this, that you do get pregnant. And for whatever reason, it doesn't, doesn't actually, it doesn't bind, doesn't latch the placenta, or maybe it just stays in the fallopian tubes and just moves right out. You're absolutely right. There are instances where we do get pregnant more often than we think, but just because the implantation doesn't happen, mm -hmm. um, progesterone and the, um, the stim our stimulating hormones do not so continue if, to rise. If your progesterone is low, then your body cannot sustain the pregnancy no matter what. And that will be just continual sloughing off. Yes. And so that's, that's one way. So when people come in for fertility um, therapy or treatment, they would be testing the, uh, the progesterone first, right? Yeah. You're always looking at progesterone. Absolutely. Yes. 
you want to make sure at the very least, like, it, so that's the situation with so many women is that they have a low progesterone level. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of reasons why we have low progesterone levels. Hit, um, and, hit me with it. We, yeah. <laughs> why, and, why do we have low progesterone lo- levels? It's a couple of reasons. Stress. Stress is a big reason why we have low progesterone levels. Um, so pregnenolone is a is the mother ho- hormone that actually makes all of our reproductive hormones, progesterone, estrogen, and testosterone. Mm. Um, and when we are chronically stressed, which many of us are. Um, yeah, I was going to say, today, it's pretty normal. Uh, yeah. So our cortisol levels, um, are, I mean, our, motive, our, our number one mode of operations is survival. And your body will always, always shut down reproduction and digestion in in, in in favor of survival mm-hmm. always um, because if you're not alive then what's the point of any of it so your body doesn't because doesn't have the ability your brain doesn't have the ability to distinguish between you being late to a meeting and if there's a, a bear behind you or there's a scary stranger right. behind you so throughout the day based on previous memories and previous traumas and and whatever whatever's going on in your day you are you are activating that that sympathetic nervous system the and what we call the HPA axis the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis and this axis is connected to the your reproductive hormones this axis is connected to your thyroid hormones it's all they're all interconnected mm-hmm. and so when thi- when your when cortisol is fired up because of this this hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis and you are running out of free cortisol or total total cortisol, that pregnenolone hormone, which is supposed to be making progesterone most particularly, it steals, we can steal it. We call it the pregnenolone steal. And so that is a reason why we lose progesterone levels. The other reason why we lose progesterone levels is if our liver isn't happy, so we have a clogged liver, Mm. and the three phases of estrogen detoxification isn't actually happening. And so in that instance, we have, and phase three is gut, large intestine, small intestine. And if we have a backup, especially if someone's dealing with constipation for whatever reason, we have a backup of excess estrogen metabolites, they recirculate back into the environment and they throw off the entire balance between oh estrogen goodness. and progesterone. Causing I'm eating this up. Dominance. I'm loving every minute of this. This is so nerdy. Oh, I love this. <laughs> and most often women are dealing with both. Yeah. It's, it's probably a yes and. So yes, I am stressed and my liver is getting its booty handed to it. Um, <laughs> wh- whether you're drinking too much coffee or you're drinking, you're, you're having a couple drinks of wine at night, your liver has to prioritize managing toxic loads. So whether you're taking ibuprofen, you're drinking alcohol, you're, e- you're eating a lot of sugar, um, you, are, um, you are drinking a lot of caffeine, your body is prioritizing those jobs over dumping estrogen in the right way. And so if any of phase one or phase two of that liver detox process is off, you're going to have it. Like basically it's like, it's like if you've ever filled up a tub and the faucet is running you and someone accidentally clogged, like clogged that tub mm-hmm. and it's just running over. That's just, that's the spillover of estrogen back into the body. And that throws off the, our ability to basically estrogen metabolites block receptor sites for progesterone. And now we've got an estrogen dominant situation. Progesterone can't actually bind to receptor sites. And we start to see a decrease in progesterone levels in the luteal phase of our cycle. Okay. I have three questions I want to ask. They'll take us all in three ta- tangents. I'm going to try and pick my favorite. Yes. Um, what is... what? What is what is a woman's best option if she wants to kind of hone in on her menstrual menstrual cycle naturally instead of taking Xanax or birth control? Um, what what can a woman do? 
without having Absolutely. to go and get a full panel. And because there are fertility clinics that say, you know, your money back if you don't get pregnant. And I trust that they know all the science and they know all, you know, they can, they can whip you into shape. But what can you do in your own body? I want to own my, this is my body. I want to know, you know, how I can protect it and, and support it. Well, and here's the thing, the statistics out there, and, and these are loose statistics, but let's say 7 million women around uh, in the U.S. are unable to get pregnant. Only 100,000 even went through like IVF. Yeah. Like we're not either. It's a money issue or it's, it's availability a issue. issues. A lot of different sure. issues right, mm-hmm. going on. So a lot of women aren't really well equipped to know what to do or maybe can't afford going to fertility clinics. But there's so much that we can do on the front end that, that, is, so, that is so key and critical. Um, it's, it's really getting dialing into the root causes, figuring out what those, what's going on and what's driving um, your hormones to get deregulated. Because here's the thing, your hormones don't choose to deregulate themselves. Your hormones just don't wake up one day and say to themselves, I am going to sabotage yeah. myself. Yeah, no, because never. <sighs> That's the thing I've actually learned in my healing journey is that my body's not actually against me. My no. body, the, the whole purpose of my body is to support me. Yeah. <laughs> so if it's Your sick, body is every little cell, every yep, it cell, loves cell, me. cell receptor. My body loves me. Best <laughs> yep. To be a part of your survival journey. Yeah, making sure that you're thriving mm-hmm. in the world. And so it's really important that we look at the root causes. Now, I want everyone to know these root causes, but then I'm going to let you know how to get started, whether you know the root causes or not, right? Because some require more in-depth testing. Some you can just start working on right now. Um, but the root causes are um, some nutrient deficiencies is a big one. We can talk about nutrients that are necessary. Um, and most of us, um, when we are burning through um, key nutrients, through stress levels, mm-hmm. um, through due to toxic issues, or maybe even gut dysbiosis, we're going to see some nutrient deficiencies going on. So nutrient deficiencies, gut dysbiosis or leaky gut. Again, we, we know that if those issues are there, we could, we could have estrogen dominance, or we could have an instance where we have inflammation being created that could be having an impact on those reproductive hormones. Thyroid issues, um, but thyroid issues being driven um, by toxins, by heavy metals, and by nutrient deficiencies. So again, important to be looking at what you're putting on your body, what you're using on a day-to-day basis. Can I just steer you for a minute? The thyroid thing. I I just don't understand. Why why is hypothyroidism such a thing in America? Do you have an opinion about that? (laughs) Yeah. It's the root, it's the root causes. So it's, we have an increased amount of toxins that we're dealing with every single day in our food supply, water supply, being out in the world, women in particular, all of our personal care items, all of our makeup, all of our cleaning products. I mean, we are not only the biggest consumer of these products, we're the biggest users of these products. Mm-hmm. And women just don't realize that those things add up over time. We're exposed to a hundred plus toxic chemicals every single day that are endocrine disrupting. And we don't know it. Like we use 50% of those before lunch and we have no idea. So those things are adding up. The two big ones that we don't look at enough is the stress huge, huge part of it. Um, we've got an endless to-do list. We've got, we've got a lot of demands. Um, and we, we oftentimes are prioritizing other people before ourselves. So the cortisol, Um, like the stress hormone messes with the thyroid hormone or the the production of it. Think about cortisol as like the boss is just whipping you. Like that's you, if indeed you are in survival mode, your thyroid is absolutely imperative for metabolism. So if you've got a thyroid issue, you 100% have a stress issue. You've got a you've got a HPA access mm-hmm. issue. If they go hand in hand. I haven't met anyone who's got a thyroid problem without a stress problem. 
And I know people call it adrenal. It's not your adrenals. Your adrenals are just a messenger. Your adrenals are actually not the troublemaker. Um, they're just doing their <laughs> oh job. My gosh, my your brain. adrenals. Have, it, it takes a long time to burn out your adrenals. It is literally it's 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 cellular and mitochondrial dysfunction is what it is. So um, your adrenals are just. Just sending out the little messages. Um, Don't kill so the we, messenger. Don't shoot the messenger. Yeah. Th- <laughs> so you, it's not your dream. It's your actually. It's your cells. It's every single cell that's mm. like that is feeling the burnout. That it, your mitochondria, which are the little energy powerhouses inside of each and every cell of your body, they are extremely sensitive to stressors, to toxins, and they if they feel like if there's any stranger danger, they just shut down. Yeah. And so that's where the chronic exhaustion comes from. Okay, um, so you said the digestion, the um, stress, and stress, toxins. Toxins, heavy metals, mm-hmm. and then um, stress, trauma. Trauma. Big trauma, little trauma. Trauma, trauma manifests in mm-hmm. physiological and chronic diseases. I've heard and that so, you take emotions and you put them in organs. You put them in do. places in your body. Your body doesn't forget. Do you believe no. that too? Absolutely. Oh, you're not even just your organs, in your cells. Mm-hmm. Your cells are harboring those, those, those traumas. And we see those traumas manifest into things like um, d- type 2 diabetes. Um, we see it definitely. I see, I see more trauma manifesting into autoimmune than anything else. Um, hormonal imbalance, chronic fatigue. That's where I really see trauma. Um, and then no doubt it's affecting our fertility levels. So trauma's the other big one. Um, and then the last one, which is the one that we really got to test for, um, just to rule it out, is going to be latent infections. So Lyme, viruses, bacteria, mm. parasites, um, all of those types of particular opportunists Epstein can bar. be the triggering event for you, know, you. One traumatic event can send a virus back into activation mode or a parasite for back sure. into activation mode. So again, it's really looking at all these things. Now that we've got the landscape of the root causes, recognizing that some of these require a little deeper work, but I believe that you've got to start with foundations. Mm-hmm. Some of these root causes can be not, they're not very easy to find. And so at the beginning, like if you haven't cleared the, if you haven't cleared the trees, if you haven't cleared the forest, mm-hmm. it can take a while to find out these root causes. And so the first step is really one, clearing out any hormone sabotaging foods, creating stress, like literally de-stress, like stress reducing techniques, making sure that your circadian rhythms are on track, um, making sure that you are getting the right nutrients in your body. Um, prenatals are great, but making sure that you're focusing a lot on activated B vitamins, magnesium, zinc, um, iron, selenium for thyroid function, probiotics, digestive enzymes, omega-3 fatty acids, those are all a must. Um, but re- getting rid of any hormone sabotaging foods and resetting the gut, re- reducing inflammation in the gut and liver are going to be big. And those foods that I recommend removing are going to be all grains, all grains, um, at least for 30 to 60 days to kind of do a reset, mm-hmm. all grains, all dairy, um, sugar, caffeine, alcohol, eggs, um, and potentially depending on what's going on with you, um, nuts and legumes. So, so basically be the just take a thing of cauliflower with you to work and just kind of gnaw on that all day. Uh, yes, exactly. I mean, it's really, it's healthy fats that are a go. Well, no, I believe it. I, yeah, I, I and, shifted and my diet. Vegetables. I shifted my diet dramatically about three years ago and all sorts of things happened in my body that I wasn't expecting. And so, yeah, just, just shifting your diet can 
Can, it's everything. It's diet yeah. is everything. It's foundational. Now, will it, it will clear 80%. You reduce the stress, you get your circadian rhythms back on track, you get your high quality sleep, um, you, uh, you eat well, you get that nutrients in there, you have done 80% of the work. Now, mind you, there's always a little bit of that 20%. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe we've got to look into toxins. Maybe we've got to look into heavy metals. Maybe we've got to look into if there's a leaky gut issue or there's maybe some type of infection. Um, but ultimately, if you lay the groundwork for those big things, reducing your toxic load, reducing your stress, and, and really heavily getting in that powerful nutrition, mm-hmm. you, you've done so much of the big work. And without the need of hormones, without the need Mm -hmm. of, you know, of external sources coming into play. I just want to go back and review what you said about the trauma, because I feel like um, we hear what you're saying a lot. Eat better, get exercise, reduce your toxic load. But one thing that I've learned about my own body is that I learn faster than this hunk of flesh does. Like I may learn a new concept about love or healing or forgiveness, and my body is still harboring an emotion around that. And so like part of the healing is you say fixing the food and the exercise and stuff, toxic load, but then back to the stress and the trauma and the, 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 the auto, autoimmune issues that come from, I, th- I found that really interesting that you say that autoimmune disorders often stem from trauma. It's really, really oh, absolutely. Mine did. I mean, yeah. I have an autoimmune disorder. It definitely stemmed from, from a lot of childhood trauma, a lot of childhood abuse that yeah. I dealt with when I was a little girl. Uh, when it comes to trauma, I mean, it's it, you have you got to go in and do that work. Um, whether it is, um, my gosh, there's all different types of modalities. I've had some of the best trauma experts on my on my podcast as well talking about this. Um, and I'm not sure why some of them aren't coming up in my head right now, but there are definitely therapists yeah. who focus specifically only on well, trauma. There, there's even a scale, right? Like a study out there, like a thing you can check off the the boxes of if you had certain traumas as a child, then you would like be set up for disorders in adulthood, right? Absolutely. It is called the ACE score. Um, it's the CDC the Adverse score. Childhood Experiences yeah. Study. And it looks at your resilience score. I believe that there are 14 areas. And the the more yeses you put um, determine where you land on that resilience. And it gives you a sense Fantastic. as if trauma has actually had an impact on your, on your physiology. Uh, yeah. And if you already know that you've got an autoimmune condition or you're dealing with a chronic condition and you're remembering some childhood trauma, whether it was big or small, most likely it played a role if it hasn't been addressed. Mm-hmm. And the beautiful thing is, is we can do that work. We can address that that piece and there's a lot of amazing trauma therapists like you can literally just google trauma therapy in your area if you feel like that's an f focus um for yourself in your own well-being um to kind of clear some of that away i feel so hopeful that you are saying basically that we can heal hormonal issues in the body we can take charge of our fertility that that we're not you know destined to just suffer with these terrible terrible menstrual cycles and infertility no, absolutely not. And I can speak from experience. I have had no progesterone. I have had no estrogen. Um, I have had completely off the wall, deregulated cortisol levels. I've had Hajimoto's thyroiditis. So I've had, I have an autoimmune condition with antibodies that are in remission right now. I've seen, I've done, I've had it all. Wow. I've, I've had my own, my own issues and we are trying to get pregnant right now at the age of 40. And so, and so looking at all of that, I'm in this journey as we 
we speak and making sure that everything's aligned and everything's ready so that we're able to do that. And so just, you know, I can speak from experience and, and it was with no, no, for, like no fertility experts or, I mean, clearly I'm a women's hormone expert myself, but it, all of the things that I'm talking about today are the things that I did, Yeah, you know, we're all, it wasn't, it wasn't, all of it was done at home. You know, I've had a couple people that I've worked with over the years, but so much of it that we can really own ourselves and, and do the work ourselves as well. And if indeed things still are not exactly where we want them to be, then we can absolutely go out and, and seek out a functional doctor who can dial in yeah. what that root cause is. So if it is a parasite or if it is an Epstein bar virus, you, mm-hmm. can, you can find and work with somebody to kind of get those eliminated as well and get those cleared. So um, I want to go back to one of those other questions I had. So yeah. in your cycle, your luteal phase, no, follicular phase, your temperature is supposed to drop. Yes. And then when you ovulate, your temperature goes up and yes, then it, it stays up for the rest of your cycle. And that's one of the markers of a healthy cycle. What yes. if your body, what if you're not doing the temperature changes, but you are getting your periods? What does that mean hormonally? Um, well, the temperature change usually is because of the surge of progesterone. We know progesterone heats things up. Mm-hmm. It tells you that things are heated up. If you are having a period, um, it was worth looking at and seeing where your progesterone levels are at. Got so it. when you've got a, when your basal temperature isn't rising, that's when we got to look and see what's going on with progesterone. That's usually the indicator. We want to make sure that you're ovulating. We want to make sure that progesterone is going up. And again, testing that is mm-hmm. going to be day 19 to day 22, ideally day 21 or 20. Got it. Okay. So this one, I don't, I hope this doesn't throw you off, but I found it very interesting. I was reading about a study they were doing on native cultures where women um, usually start menstruating later teens because of, you know, nutritional things. And then they get pregnant very soon after, and then they have seven, eight babies. Um, They nurse the whole time. And so in throughout their life, they will have between a hundred to 200 periods and how they have like very little, um, they have very little breast breast cancer, cervical cancer, whereas Western women, they may start menstruating at 22, not have their baby till 32. That's So they're, they're menstruating for 20 years before getting pregnant, and they'll have upwards of 400 cycles in their lifetime. And we have a higher rate of breast cancer and cervical cancer. And the, the study was saying, well, women really aren't supposed to be through this hormone bath every month, that it would really actually be healthier if we didn't get bathed in these this 28-day cycle. And so they were saying... Um, don't, don't shoot me for this, but they were saying (laughs) that you should, um, go on birth control and stop your cycle so you can give your body a break, specifically your breast so that it's not bathed in that estrogen so harshly every month. What do you think? The reason why we see a rise in cancers right now is actually because of most likely because of birth control, hormonal birth control. Really? That's what we're seeing. Yeah, that's the only thing that's changed since we've seen the rise. See, up they're saying in, their study is just saying birth control yeah, is better for I, you. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Yeah, though, I think that's, yeah, I'm not feeling that at all. Mm. Um, yeah, it's as we're looking at a lot of the research, one of my favorite books is by Maya Dunesenberry and how women have been dismissed by lazy science um, in the medical system. And we look, we're looking at like, why is it that women are getting more, um, more cancer, breast cancer, hormone driven cancers than ever before. And this advent of this modern world, and really, the only thing that we can see um, is, is an increase in with birth control. Hormonal birth control. 
And the um, dosage matters in the in these hormonal birth controls. Yeah, for sure. No, turning off our cycle, our, our menstrual cycle is a key indicator of our overall health. It mm-hmm. is as important scientifically, like we know research demonstrates that our cycle is, is equally as important as any other vital sign, like temperature, um, pulse rate, respiratory rate. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just as important. So your doctor should be asking you, taking your blood pressure, taking your, your temperature and asking you about your cycle. Exactly. And so, and it was, it's an old school notion. So this was, this has been an old school notion, um, which is so interesting that um, pregnant, like women should always be pregnant if they want to avoid PCOS or they want well, to that's avoid what, endometriosis. That's what basically this yeah. study is saying is that the, the less we go through the cycle, the healthier we are. And it's such an uh, archaic concept. Okay. What's really going on is that we have an increase in toxins. We have an increase of root causes. Like, why aren't we looking at, again, if, if hormones are a downstream issue, mm-hmm. if, if hormones are being impacted by something else, shouldn't we be looking at what that something is? So really, is? hormone imbalance is just a symptom. It's not the it's cause. It's a symptom of a bigger problem. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's not the problem itself. So we need to be looking at what the, what the and you mentioned those five basic things that can really... Mm-hmm throw you off. Okay. How about, um, hormones during pregnancy? What can you speak to that? Absolutely. So it's uh, definitely, my focus is more in fertility and postpartum. Um, but uh, hormones during pregnancy in, are you talking about like what we should be expecting or yeah? Yeah. What's a normal hormonal? Yeah. Your progesterone stays high. Yep. We do know that. Estrogen stays high as well. Estrogen actually accelerates closer to birth. Um, Prolactin clearly comes into play closer to birth. And, you know, a lot of these hormones are designed and meant specifically to prepare our bodies for pregnancy, right? So estrogen grows up so that things become more lax. Um, Our ligaments become more lax. Our pelvic floor becomes more lax as we're getting ready to have- That's the hormone relaxin. Yeah, I remember that one. They're both. Yeah, absolutely. But estrogen is also playing a role there. Mm. Thyroid hormone goes up as well. Um, So metabolism is up. And we even see thyroid hormone continuing in to postpartum. Um, And what I can really speak to a lot of these hormones, I mean, it's worth continuing to look at them and monitor them throughout our, throughout our pregnancy, but just really more so paying attention to, you know, how your body's feeling. Like, are you taking care? Are you nourishing your body through the entire process? Yeah. And then really paying attention to them on the postpartum side as well, recognizing that, um, that, you know, progesterone isn't going to, is it going to, well, your, your hormones are at their lowest low ever. Um, but progesterone is not going to rise up for about a month or so until at, like postpartum. And that plays a big role. Great in segue. Going. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So wait, stay in pregnancy for a minute. The, um, the crazy feelings, the crazy thought that just the <gasps> feeling of pregnancy sometimes is that hormonal or is that just because it's, it's a, a psychological thing is we're worried about becoming a mom and I think it's a combination of things. I think mm-hmm. it is definitely a psychological thing. I think there's a lot of concerns and worries that come up. Traumas come up as well as we're getting ready for that. But also our hormones are shifting. You have you do have hormones rising like significantly. Like I feel like it's that um, that third trimester where we really start to feel a lot of the emotions and start to feel a lot of those changes as we're getting closer. I mean, you're stepping into the unknown, especially if it's your first pregnancy. Yeah. Um, and then every pregnancy is different. So you're always stepping into the unknown of what that may look like, but you have hormones that are surging specifically so that you get ready for that birth. And no, it's no, um, 
no surprise at all that it's having a profound impact on GABA, serotonin, dopamine, on your mood swings, on how you're feeling, um, because they're all interconnected. So you're saying it is normal to be a hot mess, but at the same time, not normal to be a hot mess. I think the more that we can nourish our bodies yeah. and really honor our bodies <laughs> is really setting us up for success. Yeah. But our hormones do play a big role on our emotional well-being. For sure. And as they're rising and we've got those other concerns, we could feel a little bit elevated. Well, part of I that is understanding, yeah. right? Just understanding yeah. our hormones. I mean, I am 40 years old and I'm just barely learning to track my cycle just, you know, for convenience purposes. And I'll be like, oh, husband, remember how I yelled at you yesterday? I got my period this morning. He's like, really? Really? You can't predict these things at this point in your life? <laughs> and I'm like, no, it, but it's true. I'm just learning what this means. And so the last, just last couple of months, really, I've been watching my cycle so carefully so that I know, and I'm like, hey, just warning, babe, today's going to be a harder day. And it's, I feel so empowered. <laughs> like, and I'm, I feel empowered in my heart, in my hard days. And that's why I'm saying it's okay to be a hot mess. And it's, it's, it's not okay to be a hot mess because it, a lot of it is what you understand about your hot messness, right? Yeah. I mean, I think it's about giving yourself grace. <laughs> yeah. It's always about giving yourself grace. I mean, the fact that we're constantly changing, we have to honor that. Um, and, and note that our hormones, no matter whether you're in pregnancy, you're postpartum, or you're trying mm -hmm. to have a baby, or you're just in the normal cycle of your cycle every single month, it is constantly changing. You're constantly fluctuating, preparing for that next step. It is a very high energetic process. It's the most, it's outside of our brain function. It's probably the most energetic process that women have to address and deal with on a month to month basis. And then even no matter where you are in the, in your kind of your birthing cycle as well, it requires so much energy and we just don't give ourselves grace. Yeah. I think women are told that you better just dust yourselves off yeah. and get back at it. Um, and not really honoring the fact that we are constantly changing. So in my household, my husband actually, actually like ha we have the phone we've got the apps and he's tracking my cycle he, he knows like oh well, we're heading awesome. into the, the luteal phase your ovulation's coming in a couple of days oh yeah most likely like some some <laughs> yeah it's so it's it's so fun to to be on that journey my husband's fully in you know, it that, fully, he knows everything so about the hormones cool because i was just thinking having a connection with your cycle is actually a gift to be grounded like in this body in this in this in this existence it keeps you present right and then Absolutely. to invite your your husband into the process that's that's beautiful. <laughs> it is. It's really, I mean, I, it's really cool because he has so much grace for me as well. I mean, mm -hmm. you think asking people to have compassion for yourself, for you and you having compassion for yourself is such a key. It's way piece. different than just and brushing it off as hysteria. Exactly. Well, mm -hmm. we don't, we, we don't honor women at all. Like that is not what we do. We do not honor women. We do not, we do not um, really give mm -hmm. women the, the due diligence of mm -hmm. all the work that their bodies have to do every single month. Except and your I, husband's there. Your husband's yeah, there. Like, My husband's there. We just need more the culture to be like our husbands and just right there with us. Yes, honoring exactly. the process, honoring the process yeah. and you and mostly women honoring the process in themselves, yeah. you know, giving yourself permission. I think the lack of self-care, the last lack of we uh, so often we blame ourselves. We don't think that we are worthy of healing miracles. We don't think we're worthy of healing at all. Uh, all that plays into it yeah. as well. Um, and definitely doesn't make the journey any easier. I know nope. growing up, even with my cycle, all of it, I honestly thought that it was all supposed to be so hard. And I really was built into that belief that this is, I'm, this is mm -hmm. supposed to be hard and letting that go and recognizing that there's so much joy in this yeah. process um, is so important because um, it, it, your words matter, your thoughts yep. matter, and it has a major physiological impact. And we're changing, um, impact. 
thousands yeah. of years of views. Yeah. So I'm just excited to see where our grand granddaughters, where they've been, where they. Oh my gosh! That, I know well, it's right? our responsibility, right? To to yeah. to because my daughter is already there. You know, my daughters look at their bodies completely differently than I did at their age, and I'm still like every time they, you know. They'll say something and I'll, in my mind go, <gasps> you know, because I'm a little bit of older school. And then I just, I just revel in the fact that they don't have those um, fears and, and embarrassments and whatever. So I just, I think, wow, now what will they do to my granddaughters? I'm just excited to see that go two generations and all of the, 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 the heaviness. So you mentioned before that um, progesterone um, drops at birth and doesn't raise until about a month after. So do you think that's a big contributing factor to postpartum depression? I think it's one of the contributing factors of postpartum depression. I, there's a lot that's going on with postpartum depression, but just know that postpartum in general, I haven't been through postpartum personally, um, but I've, I've served a lot of women who have. It is a rough, it's a rough it's going. Rough. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's very, very rough. I mean, um, you, are, you are recovering from the trauma of birth um, you are, you are, you are requiring a lot of energy of yourself. You've got a new little human in the world. Um, and your hormones are completely not where they need to be mm -hmm. for you to function normally in the world. And all of that's playing a role. Um, we you know we're still trying to really understand, you know, the role of hormones in postpartum. I think also one of the areas that we're not looking at enough is that our thyroid doesn't really come back online. I um, heard that because the hormones given off by the, the placenta actually mimic or mirror the thyroid hormone a little bit. So your thyroid can get lazy. Well, yeah, we can, you can either one or two directions, you can go hyper, you can go hypo. Um, and we you know with the trauma and the amount of energy, a lot of things that are going on in pregnancy, we, we see a percentage of women um, actually end up with, it can, it can trigger an autoimmune response. And so some women end up getting Hajimoto's because of, um, of pregnancy. Some women get hypothyroid because of after post-pregnancy. And so it's important to be looking at that, especially if women are feeling like they are extremely low energy after about three weeks or a month, if their metabolism is significantly slowed down, severe brain fog. And the reason why it's missed is because what woman doesn't have any of those symptoms, you know, right after postpartum, we all, they all do. Yep. And so, um, it, but we're not looking at the thyroid hormone to see what's going on. Um, we're not paying attention to that. We also know that, um, prolactin, you know, with progesterone low and project prolactin high. Prolactin is, is pro the milk hormone, right? Yes. The milk stimulating hormone that we are, um, that we're seeing again, that could be playing a role with postpartum depression as mm -hmm. well. So um, we already, we do have a medical disclaimer on this podcast, um, but, and, and Dr. Marissa is not your doctor, but what are some of the things that you would recommend naturally? What could a woman take like food, supplements? What are the things she could take to support her hormones, hormones in postpartum? Well, absolutely. Just because you are not pregnant anymore does not mean that you shouldn't be taking you shouldn't be taking supplements. This is really the time to be taking supplements. You're still you're still significantly nourishing this baby and requiring so much energy. Mm -hmm. So making sure that you are lots of B vitamins, zinc, um, selenium, a lot of the things I mentioned, magnesium, iron. Um, also making sure that you've got all of your, your a, vitamin A, B, vitamin A, C, and E, um, that you are 
also doing probiotics, digestive enzymes, making sure that your gut is happy. Those are all going to be super important. Really nourishing your body with healthy foods, the same kind of foods we were talking about earlier. That's going to be important. And then also, I mean, I think this is really the time to be giving yourself a lot of grace. See if there's anyone who can help you out. You know, in many cultures, it takes a village it does. Um, to raise babies. And yet we're, we're expected to raise them ourselves by ourselves. And so really asking for help, asking for assistance, making sure that you're getting as much rest as you can. I mean, those are the pieces I think where <laughs> women feel like things fall apart. Yeah. If they don't have help. They're we exhausted say, because they can't sleep and they don't have community to fall back on. Exactly. We, you can't, we say, we hear the thing, you cannot spoil a newborn. And I say, you cannot spoil a postpartum mom. Like Mamas. you can't spoil yeah. her. She needs all the support. She needs she needs her community to gather around her and, and lift her up, take care of the other babies, take care of the household, take care of the work so that she can heal. Absolutely. I mean, that's that's where I think the biggest the biggest concern is, is that women are just not getting the support that they need, mm-hmm. are not you know asking for the support that they need. And that's where we've really got to shift the, um, this whole idea around postpartum. Like we got to treat women as if like, like they're still pregnant. I mean, we seem to care mm-hmm. so much about when women are pregnant and then we're just like, Bruh. and then we forget. It's all about the it, yeah, exactly. Okay. So you're pro, um, just so I, I'm drawing this chart in my mind. Okay. So your, your progesterone drops after birth. Um, your prolactin goes up obviously because your milk supply is coming in. And then at about a month, things to start, start leveling out in, in a normal in a normal postpartum, is that what you're saying with the hormones? She's making um, this dance. Not, like, not <laughs> entire. I mean, not entire. I would say within six weeks or so. Six weeks or take. Um, and I know that there are women listening to this and are like, I do not feel normal <laughs> at six weeks, and I totally yeah. understand that. So I don't want to put like a stamp like everything's back to normal. Well, but at it, six it weeks. is kind of nice to know what normal is, so you know when you're not normal. Mm-hmm. Like if you're still feeling this, um, this I call it like bone chilling fatigue. Like, like a type of narcolepsy, like you cannot stay awake. That's that for me, that was one of my big red flags. Something was terribly off with my hormones. It's this bone chilling fatigue, not just I'm tired. I pulled an all nighter last night, but like feel it in your bones. And that's, that's um just watching for those signs. Like, Yes, if they're I'm happening watching longer. out for the chronic fatigue syndrome, mm-hmm. watching out for thyroid, it could easily be your thyroid is one of the biggest reasons why your energy doesn't come back online. Um, and 20, I want to say it's 24% of women or a quarter of the women in postpartum are struggling with a thyroid issue and just don't know it. Uh, so that's, that's one of those things that I always want women to look out for is where is your thyroid? Is it back on track? Um, and then also, I mean, it's so hard to look at hormones postpartum until enough time has gone by, usually about two months, you can start looking and see where hormones are at. But in those first couple of those first eight weeks, things are still pretty yeah. erratic. Um, and it's just a matter of, Oh my God. Just, I mean, doing as much self-care as possible and Sleep. making sure that you're supplementing, mm-hmm. making sure your gut's happy. I mean, your gut can play a big role in whether you're, you're feeling good or not. Yeah. One last question is, um, what about vitamin D? I've heard that it's not just a, it's not a vitamin, it's actually a hormone. So it is. what does that play into? Oh, it definitely. Sorry. It, it should have been, it's, you know, I'm rattling up all the supplements yeah. in my head. Vitamin um, D, but 100% right? you need to be taking at least 5,000 units a day of vitamin D. It's on, it's on my top five list of, of, uh, of supplements that need to be taken. And it, most of the time we are I deficient heard it's not it. super bioavailable though. Is that why the number is so high? It depends. I mean, it depends on the state of your gut. It depends oh. on the state. All those things matter, um, whether it's bioavailable or not. Um, and it's really you're looking. You're looking out 
to make sure, I mean, you can look and see how, what are your absorption is. If you're working with a functional doctor and you're taking 10,000 units of vitamin D3 every single day, and yet the levels aren't happening, they're not rising, mm-hmm. then it's, then we start looking, I mean, usually everything, I mean, the, everything starts with the gut. So looking at why it is that you're not absorbing the vitamin D um, or any of the other supplements that you may be taking, that's going to be the next thing to be looking at. Very cool. Um, Awesome. Well, how can people learn more about what you do in hormone health? Absolutely. So the best place to come and find me is going to be on my podcast, the Essentially You podcast. It is a women's hormone podcast. We cover topics like PCOS, endometriosis, chronic fatigue syndrome, um, Hajimoto's thyroiditis. It's a good podcast, guys. It's a good podcast. (laughs) And so we cover all those topics and we really, we really lay out like what is truly going on, what you should be looking out for. Um, We like today, a podcast just went out today on the menstrual cycle. Another one goes out next week on owning the four phases and what you can do in every phase. Um, The other place to come and find me is I love being on Instagram. So at Dr. Marisa, D-R-M-A-R-I-Z-A. Um, those would be the, the two places. I love it. And then my books are all on Amazon. On Amazon. And then they could also sign up for your email list. That's actually how I know of you. I signed up for your email list and read about hormone tips. So how do they find your website? Is it a website? Yeah. So I have a, a little gift that I can give. Um, it's it's one of my hormone, my little hormone cheat sheets. It's my cravings cheat sheet. So cravings, stress, Ooh. energy, fatigue. I've got all these amazing little solutions, super easy to implement. And it's Dr. Marisa. So D-R-M-A-R-I-Z-A, drmarisa.com slash cravings. Cravings. And that little gift, um, it is, we've had tens of thousands of women grab it. They love it um, because those things come up every day for us. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time and for your expertise. I got so many questions answered. I hope everybody listening just (laughs) got their questions. Um, But thank you so much for your time. You're amazing. Absolutely. Please visit us at birthcircle.com, join our Facebook groups, or find us on Instagram and Pinterest. We hope you'll use our resources to support your birthing experience. And thank you to LaunchPod Media, who produces these podcasts.